It's the start of a new Formula One season and another chance for all 20 drivers to prove themselves. Perhaps the one with the most to prove is last year's runner-up. It was difficult, you know, because having such a dominant teammate that is, is winning all the time, but you are not able to extract the maximum out of the car. It's not an easy situation, but the thing is when you have to be just mentally strong, focus on yourself and make sure that you give your best and uh, be able to deliver when you can. In his long F1 career, 2023 was Sergio Perez's best championship finish. But after a strong start, he ended up a distant second. Checo's worked hard over the winter to block out all the noise, to understand what happened and to set his sights higher for 2024. A year where I perform at my best uh, within myself, you know, that I, I really make a, a step as a driver in all races throughout the year, that will be a good year for me. Just making sure that I keep progressing, that I keep getting better year by year. And um, that will obviously be translated to the results. Hello and welcome to F1 Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson, back for a new year. And welcome back if you're a regular listener to the podcast and welcome if this is your rookie season with us. The place where the stars of the world's fastest sports slow down and open up. You have to love Sergio Perez. He's had such an incredible Formula One career. He's raced from the very back of the grid to the very front. He's won races. He's helped Red Bull win world championships. He's continually improved. But as Max Verstappen's teammate, he's got possibly the toughest job in Formula One. He has to live with the pressure, the comparisons, the questions about his performances. I wanted to ask him some of those questions myself, but like every Beyond the Grid interview, we talk about lots more besides Formula One. Family, fatherhood, psychology and the future, including the race he really wants to win. Chaco says Red Bull have improved their car this year. He also tells me he knows how and why things fell away from him in 2023. And I think you'll hear a stronger Sergio in this conversation. We sat down to talk during the pre-season test in Bahrain. Now, Checo's the first guest of 2024, and it's his first time on the podcast for three years. So I had to give him a big welcome, Vegas style. From Mexico, it's Sergio Checo Perez! I remember the moment when... Basically, I wasn't told what to do, you know, when <laughs> we were just having a chat there and um, with all, all the drivers and so on. And I thought it was going to be a normal, you know, presentation, normal parade. And then <laughs> all of a sudden I get uh, someone shouting at my name and, uh, and I see him, you know, it was uh, quite a funny moment. He was very close to your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember his face uh, pretty well. Bruce Buffer, Las Vegas. It was yeah. an awkward moment to watch. How did you feel at the time? Yeah, it was pretty cool, though, obviously. With, with, it's such an icon, uh, Bruce, that uh, was really, really cool. And um, at the time, I was just confused. You know, I had no idea where to go, what to do. And then uh, Lewis was looking for a lift because his car was not working. So he took my car. So we ended up going on, both on, on, on my car. 
It was quite a funny, a funny day. It was just a funny, amazing weekend, Vegas, wasn't it? Yeah, and then, of yeah. course, you go on to finish on the podium. Uh, was there a good party afterwards? No, I flew, I flew back straight, straight away before Abu Dhabi. You know, I went home for a few days. Obviously, it was a long way. You know, I, I was going to spend afterwards like uh, two, three weekends away. So I wanted to be home for a bit. I how much time did you get at home? Because it was such a long flight. I remember having to go direct to Abu Dhabi and I literally left the next day. I was, I stayed at home, I think, two days. So okay. it was, you remember, because we raced on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah we did, yeah. So Sunday I was back home and uh, I was spent Sunday, Monday, so it worked really well. And the last time I saw you actually was at the FIA prize giving in Baku uh, at the start of December. You were there to pick up your P2 trophy. Where is it? Where do you keep it? Um, at the moment, uh, it's it's in, in my room. Every time we, at, at my room at home, uh, we try, I haven't brought it to, I want to send it back to the office, uh, but we haven't. Uh, still still there at the room. It's at the risky place, you know, with the kids, uh, they, they keep playing with it. It's still alive. When you say room, do you mean bedroom? Bedroom. You, bedroom. Yes. <laughs> First thing you see when you wake up no, in the morning. It's just that the, when we arrived, we, we left it there. And normally we have a, like a, a place, like a family room, uh, where we put all our trophies with my, with my son. And uh, we, we, put it, we put them all up there. And it is a reminder. I know um, Carlos Reutemann used to keep a, a helmet at the end of his bed. So that it was the first thing he saw when he woke up in the morning. And the first thing he thought about was Formula One. You don't need that inspiration. No, I don't no. need it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not because of that. It's, uh, it's more because of uh, it was left there, basically. And then, so when did you get back to Mexico? When did the holiday start for you? Uh, around the 20th of uh, December. We were quite busy after the season with uh, Japan. We had to go to Honda and um, the, uh, the gala. And then uh, the team, we had uh, some celebration down in Milton Keynes. What's the Honda Thanks Day like at Motegi? It's great. It's um, basically all the Honda drivers get together. It's a massive event. And as you can imagine, the, the Fiji circuit is pretty much full. And um, the energy of the Japanese fans is, is great. Did I see a picture of you on a MotoGP bike? Yeah, yeah. Did you actually ride it? No, they oh, okay. didn't let me ride it, but um, it was the bike from Mark. He was explaining me how he does it. And um, we do some karting with, uh, with Daniel, with Yuki, uh, with Max. So it's a pretty cool event. Do you ride a bike? I mean, when Mark Marquez is telling you how to do it, I assume he's telling you to get your elbow on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impressive what they do, to be honest. Yeah. I wouldn't. They're, they're brave. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, they're pretty brave. And so when you do get to switch off, you arrive back in Mexico. How quickly do you stop thinking about Formula One? Does it take you a while to wind down or, or can you just switch mm, off? It's hard to disconnect because you are always thinking what went right, wrong, what you can improve, how you can be a better driver, uh, how you can prepare better for next season. So it's it's always in the back of your mind, although... Luckily, uh, when I'm home, I, I can be really far away and I have a life out of the sport. But at the end of the day, this is my life, you know, and, and uh, I want to be the best possible I, I possibly can. So it's difficult to, to separate, but um, at times it's, it works well. And, and when I'm at home, I'm, I'm fully into my family and uh, into my friends. And uh, 
yeah, no, not much Formula One. What do you do to unwind? Um, it really comes like uh, automatically. Obviously, I keep training when I'm at home. D- do you? Do you not even have a break from that? Um, oh, I, I mean, you mean on the break? Yeah, yeah. Oh, on the break, <laughs> I don't train. <laughs> I don't train at all. Uh, I try to, but I think I went to the gym once or twice. So <laughs> not much. Uh, I don't actually believe you because here we're recording this uh, at the preseason test, and I've seen a lot of drivers come up to you and compliment you on your uh, physique, saying that you look stronger. It's that doesn't happen by doing nothing. No, I mean the thing is that we get back to it in January, so oh, okay, effectively right. you get two, maximum three weeks of doing nothing. It's very hard to lose any form. You know, you lose some, but we do so much training when the when the year starts that uh, doesn't change. Any new hobbies? Same hobbies: uh, golf, karting. Now I'm more into karting with my son. Um, we go together to to race. Football, we play a lot of football now uh, together. And um, basically my biggest hobby is to be with my family. So you've got four kids. Um, are we talking about Sergio Jr.? Yeah, he, he's the oldest. And he's the one that you go karting with? Yeah, I do everything with him now, karting. We, we seem to have the same passions, even the... Even golf? The, uh, he likes golf, but he doesn't have time to to play at the moment because he's so busy with football and, and karting that he is really hard to get another sport. So for him. tell me about his karting. Is he quick? When are we going to see him in Formula One? What's the, is it just a hobby or is he serious about it? For, for now, it's just a hobby. I mean, uh, it's a six-year-old kid. He really likes it. He enjoys it. He's very competitive, but um, it's up to him to do it. I, I will support him on anything that he wants to do, of course, but um, it will be up to him. All right, we can all learn from our mistakes. Is there a mistake from your junior formula career, karting specifically, that you've learned from that you can teach him and he can avoid doing himself? I think I was really lucky in a way on, on, on my karting, karting days because um, I couldn't afford to go to Europe, to Italy. Basically, all my karting was done in Mexico. But I was always racing guys with a lot older ages than than myself. So that was a good thing. You know, it kind of complemented in a a way, you know, the lack of not being with in Europe with the Italian drivers, with all the European drivers. They they have a pretty high level. I will have loved to drive karting, you know, and in, in Europe, but we couldn't afford it. So... There's nothing we, we did wrong in my karting days with the opportunities that we have. Obviously, I lack the opportunity to, to do karting in Italy. I think that will have helped a lot uh, in those early days, but we never had the opportunity. You're a Formula One driver. He's going to have more opportunities than you did. Sergio Junior, is he Checo as well? Checo as well. Cecchino? No, just Checo. Just Checo, okay. <laughs> but will we see Checo Junior racing in Italy, do you think? Um... Well, if he if he wants to, at the moment he's racing mainly at my at my karting track with ten to twenty other other kids, and yeah, we'll see. You know, I think he he will do some later on some races in probably in the in the U.S. in Mexico, and then we see when we come to Europe. I think he will do some some more karting over here, and um, if he really wants to do it, then I think once you go into into Italy, you know, he will have to to really see if he likes it or not. And how will you feel if he, at the age of 14, goes, 
I'm leaving home. I'm going to go and live in Germany above a restaurant. Yeah. I won't be able to speak, a, speak yeah. a word of the language. Of course, I'm talking about what you did. Yeah. And now you're a parent. Can you see what you put your parents through when you did that? Yeah, all yeah. Those it's, years it's ago? a massive, a massive effort. You know, the only reason I'm here is because all, all my family, all together, um, we gave it all. And uh, to me, happiness is about pursuing your your dreams. And if that's his dream, I will support him. Although it it hurts a lot, you know, to to lose a son that goes so early away. But it will it will help him in the in his character. Regardless of if he makes it or not into the sport, into Formula One, it will help him so much, you know. So I will be really, really proud for him to to pursue his dreams. And if he does end up on a different continent to you, at least the phone bills are a bit cheaper now. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a, <laughs> how that's much a good did thing. you spend phoning home? What was the well, worst bill? I I was lucky to be sponsored by Carlos Slim, so <laughs> <laughs> you need to ask him. But it was a lot because even him was complaining at the time. You know, so it must have been <laughs> a lot. Like, uh, I remember one, it was like 200,000 pesos, 200,000 pesos, which is like 10,000 euros. Euros. Wow. In you must spend a lot of time on the phone. Not much. No, but, but back in the day, it was so expensive. So expensive. Yeah, yeah. It was super expensive to... Well, Wi-Fi call calling has helped that, hasn't it? Yeah. But what about the girls? I mean, we've got F1 Academy now is, is growing and growing. Do you think they're going to be interested? Uh, I'm pushing my daughter, you know, I, I really want to get her into into karting, but um, sh she just likes to go and watch her, her brother, but she's afraid. She, <laughs> and I don't want to push her too much, so I would love to. And the, the, the younger Olivia, it's uh, still a baby. I mean, I will be happy. I think it's just whatever they like to do, I will just support them as much as I can and, and try to be with them. Let's talk about racing genetics, because obviously you need no introduction. Your genes are good for racing. What about Carola, your wife? Has she got racing in her family? No, she doesn't. Oh, okay. she, she, Is she a good driver? Uh, she's, uh, she's a fast driver. She likes to drive fast. <laughs> Not so good, but drives fast. Is it just me, or does it feel like everyone is either starting a side hustle or becoming their own boss lately? And you know what they're hearing a lot of? That's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run and grow your business. Whether you're selling fine art or fitness wear, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person, leaving you to focus on everything else without needing to learn any new skills in design or coding. It's got all of your channels covered from a shopfront-ready POS system to its all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even gets you selling across social media marketplaces like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So it's no surprise that Shopify is revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. And what I love about Shopify is how empowering it is for entrepreneurs, giving you complete control over your business and brand, while quietly supporting you every step of the way with its award-winning help and extensive business course library. No matter what your goals are, you'll find it's full of industry-leading tools designed to ignite your growth and give you the confidence to take your business to the next level. So what are you waiting for? It's time to get serious about selling and get Shopify today. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyondthegrid, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash beyondthegrid now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. 
shopify.com slash beyond the grid. Let's talk about driving fast on a racetrack now. Uh, as I said a moment ago, we're, we're at the pre-season test. You've just jumped out of the RB20 for the last time. Next time you drive it will be in anger in FP1. What are your first impressions of that car? Uh, positive. I think we, we made a support. You know, when you've done a, a test in Bahrain, it's probably one of the hardest tracks to test, you know, because the track is changing. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the graphic. It goes like two seconds through the day. So uh, it's just every run so different. So every change you make, it's, it really has to be based on your feeling, regardless of the lap time. Sometimes you, you are like, this didn't feel great, but you are half a second faster. It's like, well, it does feel great, <laughs> you know? So uh, it's quite difficult to test, but um, I think we just have to wait and see. I'm positive for the season. And I'm um, looking forward to start. It looks radically different to last year's car. How long did it take you to get it dialed in as you wanted it? Or is it still a work in progress? No, it did. Especially with my program I had, I basically went straight into long run. Um, and I uh, was like uh, just dialing in, obviously, a new car, figuring how to drive it and so on. So I think we made some good progress. We've understood quite a lot. And uh, I mean, we are so limited on testing that we did the most we could. I remember you telling me last year that I can't use the word weakness because it was such a dominant car. But one of the weaknesses of RB19, if we can call it that, was through the slow speed. Yeah. Has that been rectified? Is that better this year? It's better. It is better. Yeah. So uh, what kind of feeling are you getting now? I think that we, we just improved in all areas. We've done a step forward. And it's all relative, you know. I think also the competition has done a step forward, so it's going to be a, an interesting championship. Look, it's so difficult to read testing, but do you think anyone is a bit closer than they were last year? Do you think we're going to have a closer fight at the front? Yeah, definitely. I, th I believe Ferrari are looking good uh, from what I've seen so far. Mercedes, um, we haven't seen much of uh, Aston and, and McLaren at the moment. And like I said, you know, it's so hard to... To know, but they will be they will be up there. I, I mean, I will expect quite a a close fight. And what about the change in direction of this car? When did you first see the drawings for the RB20? Early in January. Yeah, yeah. It was the what first was time. your first reaction? Well, when you see it in drawings, it's hard to pick up. You know, to to notice. I I could see that it was a difference, but I thought it was just a, an evolution rather than when I see it for the first time. It was like wow. <laughs> This is a very different concept. And the ambition of Red Bull Racing is something that I find just so admirable. It would have been too tempting to just sit on your laurels and, and say, well, look, we've got the right concept here. Let's just evolve what we have. But no, that the team is always wanting to break boundaries. It's everyone at Red Bull. Really, the, the philosophy of the team is just pushing us as much as possible, regardless of uh, if we are winning. It's only Red Bull who will have chosen to go that path, you know, after having such a dominant year. It's year four for you in the team. Just how comfortable are you feeling now? A lot more, a lot more comfortable, a lot better in the team, understanding a lot more the, the Red Bull philosophy of uh, 
setups and stuff. I think every every year you spend with a team is just better and better because uh, people sort of forget how how long it takes to get fully up to speed with a with a culture of car of concept because all the cars out there are really close, but uh, how they get them the lap time achieved is super different across teams. And you're working with Hubert, your race engineer. Is it just you guys on your own, on your car, car number 11, and then there's Max over there and you don't have much to do with him? Or is there a really good cross-pollination of information and ideas? It used to be a little bit more separate, I think, later on, especially as GP moved. You know, Max is a race engineer. It's our chief engineer uh, right now. So I think everything is coming more together, trying to, to work a lot more closer, both cars. Uh, both engineers and um, I think that that has helped the, the team lately and I, I think it's something that is going to help through this year you know to to have that evolution together and um, just being being working a, a lot closer. How would you describe your relationship with GP? Well I know GP GP was my race engineer back in 2014 at uh, Force, Force India, India yeah. so I know him well I mean um, he's one of my my friends in, in the sport, so um, I know him pretty well. And does it sit easy with you that he's Max's race engineer as well as the chief engineer? Yeah, I think it helps the fact that I, I knew GP from before. And obviously now his position, he's not just Max's race engineer, he's also a chief engineer. So it helps you not know, to have that dialogue between us. So Checo, you've, you've touched on, you spend a bit of the winter reflecting on what's just happened 2023 what is a good year for you in 2024 what where do you where is the bar for you this year i think just maximizing every single opportunity you know it's a 24 races calendar you know and and just being able to from race one hit the track race by race you know and and have that evolution and just maximizing the opportunities because i know if i'm able to do that uh, i will have a great year and to maximize your opportunities is it a lazy assumption just to look at the qualifying results from last year and go, oh, well, Checo must be struggling in qualifying? Or do you think yeah. there were reasons for it? Yeah, there were reasons for it, obviously. It's not like I forget to drive from one weekend to the other. There were reasons behind it. We understood them. And uh, I think we are in a, better, in a better shape. So how do you set about maximizing your opportunities? Let's start on a Saturday. I think basically just uh, being able to focus on the right approach for the entire weekend, you know, getting quality done properly, making that progression. I think what happened last year was that we lacked a lot of progression through the weekend. And I think being able to to dial in, um, improving from Friday to Saturday, Saturday to Sunday, making those jumps through the weekend will be key because we always started strong, but we sort of uh, stay there. So it's, it's just important having that evolution and um, working together with the simulator as well, you know, to try to, to have a good base back there in Milton Keynes. I know you say Ferrari are close, but the, the assumption in the paddock is that you guys are going to be the people to beat, which means you've got to beat your teammate, obviously. What makes Verstappen so hard to beat? I think that he's really at one with the car, you know, like um, with the team. He's at the at the moment of, of his life, you know, he's in top form. He comes to a weekend and he knows exactly what what he needs to, to go fast and keeps improving, keeps making it faster. 
doesn't make mistakes uh, often and I think he's just very tough to beat, you know, and um, we will try and give it a go. Last year we started really close, uh, very closely match and uh, this year we'll, we'll see how we start and um, how we are within the first few races. How important is it to get off on the right foot? Very important, you know, these first few races are super important, you know, because uh, it really puts you in on, on a pair, you know, to, to your teammates. So these few, first few races are very important. Because as you say, those first four, certainly four races last year, you were right there. And when you're analyzing 2023, what conclusions did you reach as to why it slipped away? Because you were on the money to begin with. Yeah, I felt like uh, the car was just start to evolve. It just went out of me. As, uh, even on the simulator, like I will jump in and within a lap, I will be like not focusing so much on getting the lap time. It's, it was more about developing the car. But as the car developed, I will jump in the sim and I will be like just chasing the lap time, you know, and, and uh, it wasn't coming so naturally as it was coming in early in the season. So you start to make compromises to make you feel comfortable and... In that window of making me feel more comfortable, I think we we made the car slower on our side. And uh, it's something we understood. Compromises in terms of setup. Setup. So yeah. you're, you're, you're chasing it the whole time. Yeah. You know, you're talking about the momentum that you build up over a weekend. You feel you, there were moments last year when you would arrive at a track chasing it before you've even turned a wheel. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And how difficult was that for you? It was difficult, you know, because uh, especially as you having such a dominant teammate that is, is winning all the time, but you are not able to extract the maximum out of the car, you know, and, and um, it's not an easy situation, but the um, thing is when you have to be just mentally strong, focus on yourself and make sure that you, are, you give your best and, and, and uh, be able to deliver when you can. All top sportsmen use psychologists as far as I, I can make out, certainly in Formula One. You did last year. How did that help you? I think it helps to understand a perspective from the outside, you know, because sometimes we, we get dragged in into it so much that um, at times it's, it's good to have someone that understands the sport, that knows what's going on and um, can be from the outside. Just having that conversation and, and just making you realize that oh, probably this is wrong or this is right. Having a different perspective from someone out, from the outside, I think it, it's always helpful. So that person that you go and see, they're not giving you advice on how to drive a racing car, clearly. So how was it somehow loosening up your brain and, and how you drive the car? What was being said? No, basically, I mean, um, one thing is that mentally you have to be strong and making sure that you focus on the right stuff, you know, because in Formula One, uh, there are so many distractors around and, and people that are experts all around the world and uh, they, they, they know exactly what's going on. And uh, you, But you are inside and you have no clue. Uh, so just making sure you focused on your job it's a main key and um, don't let any noise or any of the outside noise influencing any of the, your decision. I think that's the key. We're all used to seeing the drivers turn up to the races, kitted out in their best outfits, each with their own unique style. But there's one thing all great clothing has in common for you to look and feel your best. And that's a well-tailored item that fits your shape perfectly. And that's why I'm delighted to have been introduced to Indochino. It can be so hard to find good fitting items, 
that still feel comfortable. But Indochino makes fully customized clothing that doesn't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. You can measure yourself at home using their step-by-step -step guide to create your personalized profile or just visit a showroom where they do it for you and get a custom suit starting at just $399. I used Indochino's online service to try it out and size myself up for one of their Blue Haley cotton stretch shirts. And let me tell you, it was so easy to place an order. I've never done anything like this before, but the website walks you through every single measurement you need, which only takes about 10 minutes. And when it comes to customization, they've thought about everything from the length you need to the buttons, the collar and the pockets. And you can choose whether you want your cuffs angled or a classic French cuff. You're really getting that tailored experience with Indochino without the luxury price tag. And all those little details you might not normally consider really do make for a stylish, personalized statement. I can't wait to try my shirt when it arrives, and it will, of course, make an appearance in the FIA Drivers Press Conference or on one of the upcoming Beyond the Grids, which can be watched on F1's YouTube channel this season. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code GRID to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with the code GRID. Hi, Beyond the Grid listeners, it's Lawrence Barreto here. So we've had a first look at the upgraded cars for 2024, and we could very well see a fight on our hands this season. With F1 TV Pro, you can experience every angle live. That means live streaming and riding on board. Plus, join me and the team for exclusive weekend shows. The best part, you can watch how you want, anytime, anywhere, on any device. Get F1 TV Pro for an unmissable 2024 season. Sign up now for your seven-day free trial. F1 TV Pro is only available in select territories and T's and C's apply. So check out the website for more details. You've been in F1 since 2011. Just can we talk about the outside noise? How much more noise is there now than there was 257 races ago when you started? Um, there's always pressure in Formula One. You have to remember that we are at the pinnacle of the sport. So uh, there's always pressure. You always have to deliver uh, at all conditions, at all races. That's normal. But at Red Bull, it certainly has changed a bit. You know, it's, I mean, there's a reason why the, the lots of drivers here haven't survived, you know, because uh, the amount of pressure, the amount of uh, focused on on, uh, on yourself, they don't measure the same. All the teams, I, th I I I feel like how they measure Red Bull is different to any anyone else. And how has social media ramped up the noise that we're talking about? Quite a lot. Um, I think I'm privileged, you know, because I'm a bit older and uh, I grew up without without social media. Yeah, it can be really toxic. So I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. So I always try to, to stay away from it and um, making sure that I'm able to to come here, do my job, give my everything, prepare as best as I can. And that's all I can do. You know, I can I can try a thousand times, but at the end of the day, the most important is that you with your team try to deliver. And the outside noise will always be there. And... Um, there's nothing you can do about it, but it's important to make sure that you are able to shut it down. And how much noise is coming out of Mexico? 
mm, well a lot you know the, the expectations back home uh, it's it's big the support i get is 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 pretty big so it's it's just great you know i'm i think i'm you know i'm being a, a latin american driver in formula one it's it's a big thing you know because um that comes with a lot of, of people behind, you know, and I'm very privileged to have such a support from home. And I can only say that, you know, it's a great privilege to have. Tell us a little bit more about your fame in Mexico, because I think when we go there, you are literally staring at us from every billboard. Yeah. <laughs> Is it yeah. true that you even had a burner phone, burner mobile phone at the race last year just just have a different phone just to cut the noise back and you know uh, yeah, yeah. is that true yeah it's true it's true you know <laughs> it's a it's a very intense weekend you know yeah. the, the energy from mexico you know it's it's a big thing uh, probably for the european drivers you know they're a lot more used to have f1 drivers here and there uh, every now and then but for my country for latin america it's something like you don't get a lot and um, it's a big thing uh, back home because, uh, I mean, just just sounds crazy, you know, having a Mexican in Formula One, it's quite a big thing, you know. And, and uh, I mean, in our history, we've only had five or six drivers in, in the sport, you know, and, and uh, it's really hard to make it into the sport. But to have a successful career in, in Formula One, it's, it's another, another level. So come on then. What would it mean to you to do the biz at the Mexican Grand Prix? You finished on the podium, but that win, I, I, I'm looking at you now on the podium, on the middle step. I think there would be tears. Well, uh, you, you never know how you, how you will um, react to it, but uh, it will be a, a big dream for me, you know, to be able to, to win at home, you know, in front of my home crowd will mean a lot. Do you dream about that? Uh, it's it's a dream, uh, yeah. It's definitely a dream, a, a big one. Um, I've won great races, historic races, but I think uh, one that I'm missing is is winning at home. It's a funny one, isn't it? Jensen Button never won the British Grand Prix, and he always says, "Oh, I give up so many of the other races just to have won at Silverstone." It, it, do you feel the same way about Mexico? Yeah, yeah. It is. It is because uh, winning at home is something a lot more special than anything else. And how do you manage the expectation? Because, as you say, you're mobbed everywhere you go. 90% of the people at the racetrack are there to see one man. Does that give you energy? How, how do you just keep a lid on things and, and make sure that you drive as you know you can drive and not let it spill over? And It's, again, the same as a, the whole season, you know, um, when you're in Formula 1. It's different. It's Mexico. It's Checo in Mexico. Yeah, but at the same time, Time, it's, it's a championship. It's, uh, you know, it's, there are 24 races out there. When Mexico finishes off, it gives the same amount of points, you know. If there, is a, if there is a race that you want to do even better, it's obviously your home. But um, the best way to do it is by focusing on, on track, focusing on, on the right stuff, because it's so easy to get distracted from it and um, get carried away from it. But how do you stay focused? I, I, I'm fascinated by you. It's interesting, your entourage the people that you take with you to the races yeah. is very similar to the one that you had back in the day. There's, you know, Lewis has been with you since the early days. Is it Xavi, your trainer still comes to, you know, how important is it for you to just have those old friends, old faces around? Does it help keep you grounded? Does it help keep you focused? Yeah, but also, you know, having the contact with the, with your race team, 
making sure that, uh, you know, I always take them for dinner when we are in Mexico because uh, I like to, to remember myself and, and them that we're here for, for Formula One, you know, and, and that Formula One takes priority above uh, anything else. So that is the main, the main thing for us. What restaurant? We're always changing the restaurants. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the last three or four years, we have always done uh, a team dinner in Mexico with you does Max turn up or is it just your side of the garage sometimes no the whole team I invite the whole team and uh, Max has been to to a couple of them cool just while we're on the topic of Mexico I don't know how into music you are but I've been told that you've featured in two music videos in the last 12 months one with Bad Bunny yeah this Bad is no Bunny. disrespect but <laughs> I haven't heard of Bad Bunny my kids might have done I don't know Is just tell me about Bad Bunny and, and the yeah. making of the vid. Yeah, but, uh, he was back in Monaco, and uh, he was he was there, and and, and some bits were recorded and uh, went into the into his song, I think, which is called Monaco. Yeah, I mean, Bad Bunny is huge in in Latin America. It's a phenomenon uh, back in America. And there's even a is there a song about you that has also been quite successful? Uh -huh. um, There have been few, few songs uh, <laughs> in the past. How does years. that feel? You've the, got songs being written about you, Checo. Yeah, um, Are they love songs? Uh, no, no, they're not love songs. It's, uh, <laughs> there's another one from uh, Karin Leon as well, that is also a very famous Mexican singer. And uh, there's another one, one or two more that uh, they've done about, about me. Can you sing? I'm a really bad singer. Yeah. I don't want to hurt the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Just a line now or no? No, no, I don't want to hurt I can feel a duet the... coming on maybe with Charles Leclerc. Yeah. You know, Charles well, just released... A new reference. album, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I asked him earlier um, where he is in the charts and he refused to tell me. I don't know. I, I bet. Come on, we all know you guys are so competitive. He's probably there every morning looking to see where he is on the charts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's looking at it. Got to be number one. Yeah. Uh, so there's songs about you... Aren't there curries about you? There's a curry house in Oxford in, curry in the house? UK. It's not about me. It's just in, in the menu. It's one of my friends. What is it, a Checo Perez? What is it? Is it? A, is it? It's a, called Checo Perez Fiesta, which is a dish. It's a menu. Right. Um, what? What is it? It's a curry, a, very, a little bit more spicy curry. <laughs> of course. Yes. Uh, quite tasty, actually. Yeah. It's near Silverstone. It's a curry place that I've been going since I was in Formula Three days. Oh, okay. Yes. It's like going home. Yes, yes, pretty much. Yeah. It's next to Silverstone in Brackley. Now, a little bit more about your preparations. I mentioned earlier, 257 races. You're not the new kid on the block anymore. But have you done anything different in your preparations this year? Just what do you tweak it? Like Fernando Alonso, for example, has changed his diet. He says he's going to uh, deal with the jet lag differently this year. I'm not sure how he's going to do that. Uh -huh. But are you going to do anything differently? Yeah. Um, firstly, uh, physically, I try to put more training regime in place for the start of the season because then later on, it's, it's all about maintaining. So just trying to get a little bit more, uh, more time in it has been beneficial. I feel comfortable in the car. And yeah, the, the, the other things just trying to to minimize the traveling that we we ended up doing you know planning better the simulator days the days that i i go back to europe or back to mexico always trying to reduce the traveling it's quite important because when you think about it it's 24 races planning also the the schedule for the sponsors 
for all the sponsors we have in the team, that all the days we have, it's it's quite a thing now, the planning of your schedule, you know, because right now we are all fresh and, 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 and smiley, but uh, when we go halfway through the season and still there is another 15 races to go, um, it's important to keep the energy levels high. How are your numbers, your physical numbers? Are you fitter now than you've been prior to any season in Formula One? You say you're trying to up it. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's always very hard. Obviously, you have these uh, numbers that you base on quite a bit on them, but there are a lot of other things. You know, you have uh, your strength, your endurance that is a lot harder to measure. I feel good. I feel. I felt really good yesterday. I mean, I jumped in the car and straight away I was doing a race in, in the car. So I feel good. Uh, you know, it's a little bit painful always. The shoulders are hurting because of the seat position not being used. The neck uh, is just getting used those those um, places of your body, but it's just part of it. Is your seat position in the car the same as last year? Is it the same as is it the same every year? Uh, yeah, but you are always making adjustments with new cars heights going up going down always trying to figure out where where you put it do you sit a little higher in the car for the street races uh, something Mika Hakkinen yeah. used to do at yeah. Monaco he used to sit a little bit higher just to especially give him with these tires with this you know the the spikes that we have on top of the tire um, makes it really hard to to see so you see us sitting a lot higher for the street races everywhere Okay, but yeah. so you don't just change it specifically no. for the... No, no, no. I just try to, to put... Uh, I mean, if you're able to see on a normal circuit, you should be able to see on a straight circuit. So okay, I think that's just... So you're normal. sitting higher in the car now than you were 10 years ago? Yeah, I remember back then, it was more important to be low, you know. I remember, like, always the good drivers are the ones that went the lowest and are yeah. able to... What, center of gravity, get it yeah, down, yeah, get the, it down. The, it was quite a big thing back in the day, but, you know, Formula 1 has evolved a lot and uh, you see drivers going up and down and it doesn't really matter. And does someone like Adrian Newey get involved in your seat position? Does yeah. he say, Checo, you're too high, it's affecting this and that? Um, more than that, it's just like, you need to be high, so what do we do about it, you know? How, how we deal with it... Uh, does that change? Because it has an impact, you know, on, on uh, engine temperature, on flow and stuff like that. So it's quite a, a big thing. Before we return for the final part of my chat with Checo, I bet there are plenty of listeners out there looking to expand their world in 2024. Maybe you're eyeing a job overseas or planning a long-awaited trip, or you just want to be able to communicate confidently with people in a variety of settings. It's never too late to pick up a new skill like learning a new language. But you're busy and traditional language classes or pricey tutors just aren't cutting it. Well, that's where Babbel swoops in to save the day. I bet Checo wishes Babbel was around when he first moved to Germany as a 14-year-old. Just think of Babbel as your language learning buddy, helping you nail those real-life conversations like a pro. No more boring drills. We're talking lessons designed by experts to get you chatting in another language in no time. Because Babbel is all about personalising your learning journey and cheering you on with in-app feedback and progress trackers. And its speech recognition function is excellent, so you'll sound smooth as butter, even if you've been butchering the pronunciation until now. And the best bit is how easy it is to fit it into your schedule. You can squeeze in a quick lesson during your coffee break or while you're waiting for the bus. We're talking just 10 minutes a day to level up your language game whenever and wherever you want. 
So whether you're dreaming of ordering a croissant in Paris or sealing that international deal at work, Babbel has got your back. Right now, Babbel is offering our listeners six months free with a purchase of a six-month subscription with the promo code GRID24. Go to babbel.com slash play and use the promo code GRID24 for an extra six months free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash play, promo code GRID24. Babbel, your guaranteed path towards speaking a new language. Now, a lot of people listening to this will think of you as a street circuit specialist. All right, you've won Monaco, you've won Baku. I remember Andrew Green, when he was technical director of Force India, telling me that your right foot has traction control in it. Yeah. <laughs> Is it are you yeah. hypersensitive? Is that hypersensitive? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but uh, it has been obviously one of my strengths throughout my career. The race craft and but a uh, rear limited track seems to suit you. Is that yeah fair? So how do you then go about transferring those skills onto front limited tracks? It's uh, it's all about adapting. Formula One, it's all about that. You're not trying to be flexible with driving. How you approach a corner here and there, and always try to make the maximum out of every single race weekend because. One race, um, the limitation is the rear, the next one is the front, you know, always trying to figure it out, it's important. So Checo, I'm, I'm getting loads of positive vibes out of you. I know you've only done a day and a half in the car, and in fact the schedule here was changed a bit, wasn't yeah. it, because of the, uh, the drainage problem that we had, but I'm getting positive vibes. If you and I were to sit down at the end of this season, and you're reflecting on the year just gone, what is a good 2024 for you? Um, a year where I perform at my best uh, within myself. You know that I, I really make a, a step as a driver in all races throughout the year. That will be a good year for me. Just making sure that I keep progressing, that I keep getting better year by year. And um, that will obviously be translated to the results. And last year was a bit up and down, can we say? Yeah. When was the last time you sat down and was having that conversation with yourself in December where you felt that you did get the maximum out of yourself? When was the last time where you went, that was a good season? Um, I've had good seasons, uh, definitely. It's a lot how you, you are able to, to get the maximum out of the car, out of you, you know. I think the, the year before, what was it, 22? Yeah, 22. <laughs> 22 was... Uh, a better season, you know. I think I, I grew up a lot, I, I, and that's why I started the year so strongly, because it was such a good year. It was a year that I really developed, and I was coming up together with Red Bull, and that's why at the beginning of the year I was on on a part to to max. And uh, but as things evolve, uh, we got a little bit more difficult. So it's something we gotta make sure that doesn't happen. Okay, and. There is going to be a lot of, we're back to the noise thing, the background noise, but with Lewis going to Ferrari in 2025, it has sort of opened up the driver market massively. There's going to be a lot of talk about you, obviously. Do you enjoy that musical chairs? And in Julian Jacobi, your manager, do you feel you got the right man calling the shots or helping you call the shots? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's, it's just, we've been working together for a long time. 
I do my job and I let him do his job. You know, I, it's as simple as that. You know, if I if I deliver on track, uh, it will be easier for him and uh, and for me. You know, it's it's all about results. So, um, you know, after 14 years, you get less bothered about it. When you are a lot younger, you are a lot more concerned of of Formula One. You think Formula One is too big when you come here, and then you realize that it, well, it's it's just a sport. And has the senior management at Red Bull given you a target? Is it is it a number of wins that they want you to achieve, or, or is it just is it less specific than that? They will just no, they observe just, they, and see they, how you. They just want uh, they just want me to to perform. They know what I can do. They just want me to perform at my best. And um, if I'm able to do that, they they for sure they will want me to stay. Daniel Ricciardo said that when he took some time out at the start of last year, one of the things he wanted to do was to fall back in love with Formula One. Remember why he fell in love with racing all those years ago. And he says it's really helped him just sort of get a different perspective on it, a more sort of excitement in a way. Do you feel the same way? Do you feel you need to re-engage with that Checo from 20 years ago? And No, I, I feel like I'm, I'm really in a good in a good, positive uh, way, how, how I see the sport, how I get the maximum out of myself. I think it's really important, you know, how to how you approach the, your race weekends and your life. So I'm pretty happy in general, the way I see and feel the sport. You know, I have a, a vision of it and um, I'm happy the way I see it. And can you remember the eureka moment when you first fell in love with Formula One? Well, it was when we started karting pretty much in when, when we were four, four or five years old. That was the first time that uh, I was like, well, I hope one day I can be there. And whatever happens this year, you're a man who's going to love Formula One forever. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, uh, it's been my life for, for, for many years. Not, not just the years that I've driven in Formula One since before. You know, it's, uh, it has given me everything. It's been, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I will always be grateful to, to Formula One and um, it's been a, a massive pleasure to be part of it. You know, I think every single people that come here and, um, and see how these sports operate, it's a great thing, you know, and um, it's, just, it's just great to be part of it. Many more years to go, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> not, not that many, but, uh, <laughs> but there are, there are good, good years ahead. Until you become a racing dad with Sergio Junior and you do it all <laughs> we, again. We race, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yes. It's when, when uh, yeah, I don't want to say it never, but you never know what the future holds, you know. when Once you retire, you really want to go. I feel like the day I retire, I really want to go disappear for, for a few years, you know, and then do something different. But you never know if, uh, if I have to be here. Checo, it's been brilliant to have you on the pod. Thank you very much for your time. Before you go, we've got a new thing this year are quick fire questions, okay? And I've got five. What else are you good at, number one? Uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky to be a racing driver, I'll say. <laughs> uh, I'm good at... Mm, what are you good at? <laughs> Other than interviewing. Uh, luckily, I'm asking, I'm asking the question. <laughs> yeah, it's <here>. a good <laughs> question. Uh, I'm a good striker, football striker. Are you? Yeah. Are you better at football than golf? Yes. Yes, I'm better at football. You seem convinced by that, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that good at golf. I don't have the time. And uh, football comes more natural. Okay. Second question. 
Which racing driver would you want to be stuck in a lift with? Alive or doesn't matter? Uh, let's do both. That's a good idea. Yeah. Current well, grid and then someone else. Uh, obviously, Ayrton Senna, you know, love to, to, to meet him. I uh, think he was a great guy. I feel like we, we have a lot in common, how we see the sport and, and how we live our lives as well. And obviously, the, la the Latin blood is, is just something we, we will have to understand each other a lot. And um, alive, um, good question. Um, I mean, I see all these drivers every single weekend, so I wouldn't like to to get stuck with none of the, with any of them. I think more from my previous teammates, you know, with uh, Kobayashi, with uh, with Jensen. I think uh, those were great teammates and great guys to to hang up with. Question three: Who would play you in a film? Tom Cruise. <laughs> of course, he would, right? <laughs> right. Question four. Who is the coolest person in your address book? I'm not really that much into into fame, uh, so I would say more of a normal people. Just my my friends, you know. I think. Who's your coolest just, friend? What do you mean with cool? <laughs> yeah, well, true. <laughs> just uh, just uh, bad bunny. No, I have good good friends. You know that I just uh, I think when you have. Those friends where you can just call them and, and have a laugh about a good day or a bad day, you know, and just make, like, uh, have fun and, and, and laugh about uh, anything. It's like you have a good click. I digress. There is one more question. But do you have any genuine friends on that grid? Or is the intensity of the rivalry too strong? I think we are all, we have a lot of respect for each other. Or I think... We've all gone through a lot to be here, but we're all here for ourselves and we all want to be the, the best of ourselves. I, I think once you finish the sport, uh, you become great friends because you've been sharing this for so many years that uh, automatically, it doesn't matter if we don't see each other ever again in our lives. We know that uh, one day when we've seen 20, 30 years uh, from now that uh, we will remember with 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 pride, you know, a name and, and it's something that it's hard to explain, but I, I'm sure what I'm talking about, a lot of drivers get it, you know, because... Uh, You've all been on the same journey. You've all exactly. made those... We, we, we've been on the same journey for so long. It's just that right now we're all focusing on our career so much. And, and it's the same to, to outside the world, you know, we are very different persons to a normal people, you know, because we, are, we live so much on this sport and this sport takes so much out of us that it's really hard just to, to be normal in that regard. So once you finish with this, I feel like everything feels more, or fits more natural. Yeah. Right, final one. If you hosted a podcast, who would be your first guest? Well, I have to go big, so I will invite Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> right? <laughs> have you met him? Get, get the, yeah, yeah, I met him. No, just people that that have done great things with, the, with their lives, that have good impact to society. I think it's, it's important these days to look up at people that are, are not just successful, that are, are good for, for us, are good examples to, to look up. How was Cristiano Ronaldo? Did great. you talk football? Did you tell him what a great striker you were? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I, uh, he's friends with one of my friends, so uh, he's... Uh, yeah, great guy. I remember I met him, well, many years ago in Madrid. And um, yeah, he's a good guy. All right. 
Checo, it's always a joy speaking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Best of luck in 2024. Thank you very much. Cristiano Ronaldo, of course it is, Checo. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Checo was super relaxed and chatty, and I love the way you can ask him anything. He's very open. As Checo enters his 14th season in Formula One, I feel he understands the task ahead of him better than ever, and he'll be a better racing driver for it. As he said, it's important he gets his season off to a good start. And if he does that and can finish closer to Max Verstappen, both in terms of lap time and the number of points scored, he has every chance of remaining at Red Bull in 2025. His experience will be invaluable to the team as it prepares for the massive rule changes in 2026. Now, as we've done in the past, I'd love to hear what you think of what Checo had to say. And I'll read out a handful of your messages at the end of next week's episode. And remember, new for 2024, you can also watch these Beyond the Grid interviews on F1's YouTube channel. So let me know what you think of that too. A couple more things before I go. Check out F1 Nation's preview of the 2024 season, where I'm joined by Damon Hill, Natalie Pinkham and Pedro De La Rosa. And please join us for new episodes every Monday. And the F1 Explains podcast is also back in 2024, exploring new F1 cars, pre-season testing and drive to survive. Enjoy the season opener in Bahrain. And I'll talk to you again next week when I'll be joined by another great guest from the world of Formula One. Thanks for listening. F1 Beyond the Grid is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. Until next time, keep it flat out. <laughs>